She whined and dined on mulligan stew and never wished for turkey. As she hitched and hiked and grifted too from Maine to Albuquerque. Alas, she missed the Beaux-Arts ball and what is twice as sad. She was never at a party where they honored no cad. But social circles spin too fast to see. Oh, Bohemia is the place to be. She gets too hungry for dinner at eight. She likes the theater but never comes late. She never bothers with people she hates. That's why the lady is a tramp. She won't like crap games with Baron. Welcome to episode. Ready? Do you know what? Ready for it? Is it 69? It's episode 69 of the Feminine Critique. I'm Emily. I'm Christine, and I never know what episode number it is, but that was my best guess. That was a good guess. I normally, as we know, can't count well, and I've occasionally... This might actually be episode 77, I don't know, because I've definitely labeled episodes the same number before without realizing it. Um, But for, for today's purpose, we'll call this episode 69. Uh, Christine, what are the movies that we're covering for this very special episode? We are covering 19... uh, Pretty Woman. 90. Okay. And then 2000... hmm, The Ward. Yes. Uh, 2000 and... No, no, no. I don't know what year it was. I have... Ten. What is the internet telling me? The internet tells me that this was indeed 2010. Uh, so these movies were exactly 30 years apart. How about that? Wow, I planned that. They have they have a lot in common, do they not? They are both, they have pretty women in them. They both uh, came out in the start of a decade. Okay, the- that's solid. What else? That's, uh, they both have uh, music. Um, no, there's not really dance sequences. Is there a dance sequence in Pretty Woman? Pretty Woman? Not woman? The one woman? Is there? A, do they dance in Pretty Woman? They don't dance, do they? I don't think so. Not no, that I remember. There's no, and there's no horse racing in the ward. And there's no electro electroshock therapy in Pretty Woman, but then don't there's, there's no attempted rape. I don't want to spoil anything, but there's no attempted rape in the ward. Shocking, really, really <laughs> shocking. Thought- By far, the biggest pleasant surprise of that movie is that it has a hospital orderly, and he does not try to rape the women. He does not get handsy. He is nope. not lecherous. Nope. And guys. I don't know if you realize how rare that is in cinema. It's like having a mortician who doesn't eat a sandwich while doing an autopsy or or whatever they do. Not autopsies, but I mean the, you know, when they're like do when it's like having somebody that works with dead bodies not eat a sandwich next to a dead body. That's a huge accomplishment. And if nothing else, this movie has an orderly who does not try to rape women. So good on ya, Mr. Carpenter. Good on ya indeed. Uh, yeah, that's so, um, yeah, so who would have thought that Pretty Woman has an attempted rape, has one more attempted rape than the ward? But we that's are getting true. ahead of ourselves, aren't we? Yeah, let's not do that. Let okay. us not do that. Well, we're going to do one movie at a time. 
Uh, before we do that, we do, you know, other movies. But I feel like, do you want to talk about something you've been working on? That's now available in book form? Is it available in book form to everyone? It is available in book form. Um, I helped compile and co-edited a collection of horror short stories written by women. Mm. It's called The Women in Horror Annual. And it is now available through all the places that you would normally buy stuff, like Amazons and iTunes. So they go to, once again, that was women, as in women, not like pretty woman, but women <coughs> in horror annual. Yeah. Yes. And it's like the first thing that comes up. Is this the first annual women in horror annual? It is the first annual women in horror well, that's annual. that's exciting. I have it in my hands. So, I have a hard copy version of it. It's a good solid size and it's portable for books, like as far as if you're carrying it in your bag. Uh, it has a nice cover, good font. I have not read anything in it just yet, um, good. but I'm looking forward I to I mean, it. good to everything else, not that you haven't read it yet. I'd like to say that the paper quality is very nice. Well, good. So, I mean, all these things are working in its favor. Put Take it on a plane, and if you end up on a deserted island, you will have something to read and really quality paper for when you need to use it for other things, if you know what I'm talking about. You know, that's what I always think about. It's it's a consideration one should take. You don't want to be on an island with the, the equivalent of one-ply book paper. I'm just saying. Uh, so, Women in Horror Annual on Amazon and other places. Go get it, tigers. Yeah. Good. And Thanks. something else I was going to say was I wanted to extend a, a big happy birthday, happy anniversary. How crazy is this? Night of the Living podcast, right? One of the yep. easily one of the best horror movie or just anything podcasts out there. Ten fucking years. Crazy, right? Ten years. If that podcast was a child, that child would now be at a point where um, – Parents would wonder if their school was going to teach it script or not. Like, it could do multiplication, like, two-digit multiplication by now. Yeah, it's shocking to think that, it, you know, the human representative of that show could hold a conversation with you. Could hold a conversation. Could still get into most amusement parks at a child's uh, ticket, but would now, like, when, when that podcast goes to the movies, you'd have to ask how old it was. Like, you wouldn't just assume it was... 12 or under like it's at that point where it's starting Mm -hmm. to look like it might be an adult so they're you know depending on your definition i guess they're three years away from adulthood but wow good on probably i mean longest running podcast that i know of uh and yeah but i certainly and i mean they're they're great people and i can say this having you know shared personal space with them uh they are a fantastic podcast they are hysterical uh, and they're just great. So if you have not, uh, if you're looking for more podcasts, um, no, I cannot highly enough recommend Night of Living Podcast. Uh, and if you, and if you just love them, then wish them a congratulations because that's an accomplishment. I don't know how many years it we've really been doing is. this, but we've been doing it for fifteen. For fifteen, that's true. But remember, we like work in dog years or something. Exactly. Once removed in a wormhole, so we don't really keep. We don't have time. Time is just more of a concept to us. Uh, but yeah, it sometimes is a, yeah. there's a loop, right? But it's a linear yeah. uh, thing for them, and we congratulate them heartily. Yeah. So. 
Okay. Um, cool. So that's all the other business. Uh, we just move on to the stuff we've been watching. Okay. All right. Why don't you uh, you go first there? All right. Um, <clears throat> while I was sitting here talking, my Evernote note scrolled back up to the top. That's all right. Fish. There we go. Those jerks. Okay. So. Here's the things that I watched. Um, I was in I was in Seattle, out of state, for like a week. That's right. You had your honeymoon. I did. Yeah, I did. Was it a haunted honeymoon? No, it wasn't. Oh, okay, fine. I know. Next time, maybe. Please. (laughs) So I didn't watch a lot of movies. You know, Mm -hmm. doing other stuff. I hope so. But wink, wink. Like, walking around. Um, and eat <laughs> Going to art museums and stuff. Eating pizza. Well art museums. Watching Now You See Me in the hotel room. That's, that's Look, what you do. I've, that's what you do in a hotel. I've seen Now You See Me, and I don't like it. I don't know why I watched it again. I am now obsessed with this movie. <laughs> is Okay, is the sequel... There's a sequel coming out now, isn't there? It is coming out, and I am pumped. Is it called Now You Don't? No, it's called Now You See Me Too. Oh, come on. That's you know? like, oh, I hate when movies give you the perfect sequel. Like, it's built into the first movie title, and then they don't do do good on it. That makes me angry. I am boycotting that movie, which I never would have seen anyway, because I now I have not seen the first one either. But now I will never see either of your movies. So there. Yeah, I was wondering if maybe they thought it would be confusing, but then I remembered that, like, all the Fast and Furious movies have different naming conventions. Oh, God, don't get me started. I still don't know if I've seen the right ones in the right order, because they're not logical. I I get a little confused. I get angry. I clearly... uh, On the plane home... I will be seeing the sequel, so I'll let you know how it goes. Oh, good. Um, On the plane home, we watched... That new Star Wars movie. Oh, that new Star Wars movie that that all the kids were, are talking about with the new yeah, robots. Yeah, I figured and why stuff. not. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, what do you think? I don't like. I don't like Star Wars. That is to say, I don't find anything there for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I like all the nerd shit. Like it's not that. I get space. I understand. I get it. I understand everybody. Stop trying to let me live my life. But um. <clears throat> So I actually really liked the first half of this movie. Okay. Like a lot, a lot. At what point, and then it, like at a certain point, you didn't like it? It got into some Star Wars shit. <laughs> I was just like, God, stop. But like, yeah, like everybody showed up. It was like, you know, and then they started doing Star Wars stuff. But like the intro with all the new characters and like, it was really compelling. Okay. It's, it's, it's I interesting say it for me to hear. I liked it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I loved it. Uh, I've, I've said that. It made me cry like a baby. Uh, but it's, you know, I, I it's interesting for me to hear. You have a very interesting perspective on it, I think, because you're of – and our generation – like us specifically, we were both born in 82, were not recipients of the first launch of Star Wars love. But for yeah. me, having grown up with older siblings, I grew up inheriting all of that for myself. So I mm-hmm. just, you know, I played with all the toys and the movies were always on for me. So I kind of feel as though I experienced that first wave. 
And for you who did grow up in a sense with, as you said, geek culture to an extent, but it just never clicked for you. It's, it's interesting to hear your perspective, I guess, is what I'm saying. Hey, thanks. Yeah, I liked it. I mean, I can't, I can't deny something when it's good. Mm-hmm. I, it was good. It was really good. It was compelling and it was interesting and the characters were great and I got emotionally involved and excited and yep. like in the in the exact spots I should have I was it, I was sold. But then it really got heavy into like the Leia and Han and like the very uh, Star Wars mythosness of it, I guess. Yeah, when I'm sure people are super into that. I'm sure there are people that would say they like the second half way better than the first mm-hmm. half. But yeah, I mean, I like Not the whole this, thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I mean, but I, I'm glad I watched it. That uh, little, um, I'm really interested to hear and to see what you're going to hear, think about the next film, which is actually the prequel set between, or set before Star Wars, right? The, um, like, have you seen the trailer for it, for the new one? Yeah, the one it's coming out like around Christmas or yeah, whatever. Yeah, but it's 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 set like thirty years before even before everything, and it just looks like it okay, has a very different I might feel. Like that. Yeah, yeah, that's why I'm curious about that on you. Were well, you going to talk about BB-8, the cute little robot? Oh my god! Okay, so when I was little, I, I was in love with R two D two, like in love with him. I used to call him my boyfriend Aww. and. Love, just thought he was the cutest, coolest thing. So I'm all like, BB-8, fuck you. You got mm-hmm. orange on you, and you're not R2. I don't like you. And then four seconds then yep. I'm ready to weep uncontrollably yep. for this fucking thing. Yeah. So I like him a lot. Yeah, I had a realization halfway <laughs> through the movie, and I think I looked at – like, I like, poked my husband. I'm like, oh, my God, BB-8 is my parents' dog. My parents' dog, oh. Wally, is just this, like, really – people pleasing friendly always wants to be with you and like but it's just like really positive and it and i like realize i'm like that's who this reminds me of this character if my if this dog was a robot it'd be bb8 and it just made me i think i would more i would die for bb8 yeah that's fair (laughs) no that's that's where i'm ever right now (laughs) yeah i'm um, i am not arguing that i will definitely see the next one i had no interest now i will so cool in what is it like nine months? I'll let you know. Cool, cool. Yeah. <laughs> um, I watched a movie on Instant called Hashtag Horror. Oh my god! I just saw this. I put this on my queue. Is it any good or is it awful? Or it's, tell me, talk to me. It's weird. It's really fucking bizarre. Um, I think you should watch it. I'm totally going to. I, it just came up as a like you might like, and I'm like, of course I'm going to watch this. And I it's really it short too. Be- I thought it was going to be something different. I really thought it was going to be that, um, um, like the two girls that took their friend into the woods to stab them, her, so that tall man. Person, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, the creepypasta called. stuff thing. The creepypasta guy. I can't think of his name. Slenderman. There it is. Yeah. So Slenderman would take them away. I thought it was going to be more like that. It wasn't, but it was like about bullying and, you know, pre pubescent girls and uh, but like not it was also really bizarre so okay okay i'm into it i'm into it it's not my my netflix recommend so that'll tell you something it's not that yeah but chloe sevigny is in it oh did not know i like her yeah um so yeah there's that movie i went to the movie theater (gasps) because i have that movie pass Mm -hmm. and i saw hello my name is doris i don't know if you know about this movie the title is familiar 
Sally Field movie? Oh, with um, Michael Showalter? Yes, he directed it. Okay, I, I listened to the Nerdist interview with the two of them. So, it was so fucking good. Oh, nice. I loved it, so you should see it. Oh, I, I, I do love Sally Field. Oh, she's so good in it. Holy crap. Um, the, then I saw Hardcore Henry. I did, And you didn't throw up? I feel like I might throw up if I watched that. It was so boring. Really? Yes. I would love to talk to you about it. Ooh, okay. Because I've heard, I've heard some people I know really loved it. Um, a review or two I heard was that it feels like very mean, like it, it's very mean and kind of unpleasant. Uh, it just, to me, like I, I saw the trailer and I thought, you know, on one hand, I really respect that they made a movie like this, like that there's something kind of really cool about that approach. The other hand, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I could watch that for 90 minutes. Yeah. It, it it's not, not sustainable. It has escalation issues because mm-hmm. of that. Okay. Um, it's it it's so it inundates you so much, and your first you're the you're the character effectively, but it never does anything to make you care about anything. Mm, okay. So it's really hard to focus. Like I I I got tired, and and I was kind of surprised at the end. Zach said the same thing. He was like, "That was so boring." Interesting. I was surprised. I didn't expect to have that reaction. Um, yeah, you should see it. And tell okay. me what I think, especially because we we're not of the video game. Ilk. Not particularly, like, yeah. Like I have working knowledge, and I've watched enough of them be played. But like, I would rather watch a video game than watch this movie. Mm, okay, I, I see what you're saying. Um, I saw Green Room also. Ooh. And it was very, it was very, very good. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard great things. I really like Blue Ruin. Um, I haven't seen that still. Oh, and it just went off instant. Oh, did it? I'm gonna ask. Yeah, you. I that was. It. I wa- remember a few weeks ago, I watched it, and it would have been my instant pick, except I watched it because it was going off of instant watch. Uh, yeah, it's been a chance they come, there. It comes back a lot, so I, I knew I should watch it. I just, I don't know, I never, I didn't know what I was getting into, and I worried. Yeah, I, I held off a long time, because I thought it was going to be really depressing, because I think I was getting it, I kept getting it confused with Blue Caprice, which is also an instant watch, and yeah. I knew both are, like, really heavy, and I think Blue Caprice is darker, because um, Blue Ruin is, I mean, it's a tragedy, I guess, but it's, um, I, I was expecting it to, like, really rip my heart out in a, in a bad, in, like, a good bad way, it, yeah. It's really good, but it didn't emotionally rip my heart out, which was good because I didn't feel like I wanted it to be. Uh, but it's, yeah. it's good. It's sort of, I mean, the best way to describe it to me would be it's shotgun stories done a little more um, bloody, I guess. That sounds pretty awesome. Yeah, it's good. I'm into I it really that. And the kid, the brother, right. from, older brother from Home Alone is in it, all grown up, and that's weird. Oh, okay, cool, yeah. cool. Well, I, maybe I'll track it down. See, see what uh, you can do. Um, yeah, I'll track it down because this was really good. I enjoyed it. Okay. This is another one that I would like to talk to you about. I had a yeah, lot of emotions I, about it. I, it's funny. There's there's a surprising amount of movies that are out right now that I want to see. Um, there's that. Yeah. There's Invitation. There's one more that's like one of those like in a similar 
uh, place where it's like not a big budget thing, but it's in theaters and I like really want to support them. But I'm like, I don't have time to go to a movie theater. I might still um, do video on demand for the invitation, but I just haven't even had time for that. Uh, oh, oh, no. So yeah, busy. And I, yeah, and I'm like, not. It's just that we go to bed so early that it's like Friday at eight <laughs> o'clock. We're not, we can't watch a movie. It's eight o'clock. We'll be asleep in 45 minutes. So, yeah, I get that. Yeah. I know it could be tough during the week. Yeah, it's tough. Oh, or on a Friday. Well, it's oh. not really the week, but anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Counts. It's the end of the week. I appreciate it's not that. the weekend yet. I used to stay uh, awake till like the 10 same o'clock way. when I was in my younger years, you know. I, s- go? I, I still try to hit midnight. Every night I try to hit midnight. It's <sighs> fucking ridiculous. What? what I get up at 6.30. In the morning? Why you, 6.30. You do not. Why are you doing this to yourself? I don't know, because... Sleep is the enemy, Emily. No, no. They say that you're, you're thinking of sleeping <laughs> with the enemy. That's a whole different story, uh, Christine. Oh. Damn it. Uh, that's that's the movie wrong. that will always be very Im- special to me because as kids, did this ever happen to you where occasionally you, you got a free pay-per-view movie? No, I don't remember that. Like one day we were flipping channels and cable used to be where like you'd get to the pay-per-view channels and it would just be like, say like order, order pretty woman, call this number. And one day we're flipping around and we get to a pay-per-view channel and said, your movie will begin in three minutes. We're like, we didn't order a movie and the movie was sleeping with the enemy. And we're like, well, what do we do? We're like, well, and because back in that, remember, like back in the day, you just recorded everything you could. Um, so yeah. we just grabbed a blank tape and put it in the VCR and started recording it. And it was like the first half hour was accidentally given to us on pay-per-view. And then it just stopped. So I have no idea how that movie ends. But, oh, that's um, so funny. You know, I know Julia Roberts gets away from her abusive husband. So that was good for a while. Um, that's so funny. Yeah, but I don't know how, where do we get with, oh no, but you're supposed to get like seven to eight hours, Missy. Yeah, I know. Don't worry, I'll work on it. You can't make it up on the weekend. It doesn't work that way according to every magazine I've ever read. No, I know. I hear, I hear that it doesn't. Okay. <laughs> um, so on that note, I saw Huntsman Winter's War. Okay, I knew you would, and I'm really curious what you think about it. <laughs> Okay, look, I am a champion. I'm not judging anything. I haven't seen the first one. It actually looked like something that when it comes on Instant Watch, I would watch. I liked it. I've seen it multiple times. Mm -hmm. Granted, I've never liked it as much as that first time. But I did enjoy it. So I was actually really excited for this movie. It's 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 a really good cast. And it's it's Jessica Chastain, Mm -hmm. Emily Blunt. I was really excited. It is not awesome. Oh. Um, Charlize is barely in it. So when, oh. when the first one came out, I thought like, okay, so Charlize is barely going to be in this movie, right? And, but she was, she was like wall to wall. She's in so much of that first fucking movie. She carries it. So I was like, okay, great. Strap in. She's barely in this movie. Oh. And, and towards the end, she's, she's very present and she's just killing it she's so committed and so amazing mm. but like no one else is in that movie with her oh, that's a shame. she's in that over-the-top crazy spectacle and no one else goes along with her oh, and it's such a fuck everyone else because it's like it's big noisy costumes and like crazy makeup and ice everywhere and like everyone's playing it so super like straight and subdued but oh. she's She's, you know, playing to the cheap seats, and mm-hmm. it's so good. 
but nah. hmm. I don't know if they make a third one, I'll, I'll go see it. Yeah, that, that <laughs> opening. It, it kind of makes me want to see both. Uh, I mean, I, I kind of wanted to see them anyway, just because I think they look really pretty. Like, it looks visually like they'd be really fun. And I knew every everything everybody had said about the first one was that Charlize Theron is just takes that movie, and I love her. My fun fun fact, my talking about my family's pets, um, my sister's kids, when they, they got a cat, and they named it Ravenna after her. So <laughs> it's... Uh, and it looks like kind of like like the kind of movie I would enjoy, just because I like eye candy and I like big performances. Um, mm-hmm. But that's a shame that she, it sounds like she's kind of hung out to dry. It really is like she's in enough of the first one where like you could see you can see people kind of they change the way they they're, they're playing it when they're when they're out opposite her, right? And it's great because you get you you do get these really interesting performances, but she's like so lacking from the second one that by the time you get to that very like last third to be generous okay. it's not even that but she her and emily emily blunt's like like really defeated by that point okay. like the character themselves is just kind of like <laughs> she's they I'm don't have sad, like a big showdown i thought they were gonna have this big showdown and it was gonna be awesome and and it really never got to that but i don't know that's that's disappointing very disappointing yeah. to hear. It was still pretty, and she was great. So. Okay. Yeah. Are there um, a lot of great hats have, worn in the movie, or like headgear? I think you need to hit up the first one for that. Okay. Okay. Understood. I appreciate there's your some, honesty. There's, there's some, but not as much as it could have been. Okay. Okay. There's some great eye makeup, if you're into that. Uh, not as much, you know. I'm just, I, I can appreciate great eye makeup, you know. But it's, um, it just doesn't hit that, like, spot I have in my stomach for headgear. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I get what you're saying. Yeah. Take a look. Okay. Okay. Google image search if you have to. I just to might. I just might. I have two more and I'll be quick. Okay. I, watched, hey, I got nowhere movie. to go. I watched a movie that I cannot recommend to you, and I am sorry because I was hoping I'd be able to. It is called Office Killer from 1997. Oh, I've seen it, and I would agree. I would not recommend that to me. Carol Kane, Molly Ringwald, right? Shouldn't that movie have been the best movie? Oh my god, that movie should be so good. I remember how I found it. Uh, I went to a yard sale that was selling old issues of Fangoria. And this is like five years ago. (laughs) And I buy it. It's a Fangoria magazine from 1996. Uh, I think the cover story is about Scream. And I read about this movie called Office Killer. I'm like, this sounds amazing. It sounds campy. Carol Kane is in it. This sounds so great. And there aren't enough office set horror movies. Like, Agreed. uh, It's like Severance is the only one other one I can think of. And that they're not in an office. It's just about an office on a retreat. So I'm like, so pumped to watch this movie. And it's not anything. It's not scary. I guess it's a black comedy, but it's not funny. It's not funny. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um. I really want. I was like, strap in. This is going to be the best thing you've ever seen, and then it wasn't. Yeah, I'm. Uh, <laughs> I'm curious. I what was, brought you to it? It was either on Instant or on Amazon Prime. Okay. I don't remember. And we just kind of picked it. Like we were doing that thing where we were just endlessly scrolling, mm-hmm. and this kind of came up. And I was like, oh, all right, sure. <laughs> if we can't find anything else, let's do this. And we. We did it, and I immediately regretted it. Yeah, um, it's 
It is shocking how on paper that movie should be made for you and me, and it's not. Not, not yeah. at all. Yeah, I was like, this is going to be my recommend. I'm going to blow her oh, fucking this is mind. Be, yeah. And I can't remember, is it a, who directed it? It's, is it a, is it a woman? It's a lady. It's I'm a lady, yeah. Positive. I remember it was like one I'm more thing. I'm like, oh, exciting. It. And no, I just, I don't get what yep. it's doing. It's very disappointing. Me neither. You know another movie I don't get what it's doing? I, 2006, The Covenant. The Covenant. The Boy Witch movie. I don't know this one. I feel like this must have scrolled by me on Netflix before because it's the, it, the we title had to, is. We paid for it. Oh, honey. Why do you do this? I know. Like, I don't do you know. know how much there is on Netflix Instant that you don't have to pay for? But but we both got it in our heads that we wanted to watch mm, this movie. Okay. So, four young men who belong to a supernatural legacy are forced to battle a fifth power long thought to have died out. That's so it's like still... a it's a boy witch movie. That's and I cute. thought like, oh, I want to see that. Yeah. It's not good. No. Oh. It's not. It's just bad or... Yeah, it's boring and silly, and it feels like a 90s movie, even though it has a 2006 release date on it, but not in, like, a good way. Okay. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Like, it's not, it's, it's not as daring and fun as a 90s movie might be. Yeah, that's not a good thing. Yeah, so don't watch it. But if it comes on instant, watch it. I might then, because it sounds like something that'd be easy to write <laughs> out, basically. Yeah. All right. Yep. Nice. Uh, that's that, that's, that's everything all I on your got. end. All right, my list is also very small. Um, part of that is that I've been watching a little well, TV. Like, there's a lot of TV on right now. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we got RuPaul's Drag Race. We've got uh, whatever else I watch stuff. Um, but then also, I've been getting Hannibal from Netflix. So I'm like halfway through season three. Uh, Ooh, it's so good. Done. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I'm at um. I think I just finished disc two, so now I've got two discs left, and I have to do it like old school disc because it's not on instant anywhere. Um, but yeah, man, yeah. I love this show so much. Uh, it makes me hungry. It's exciting. Yeah, it makes me want to dress better like Gillian Anderson in that fabulous hat. Uh, but it also yeah, makes talk me- about headgear. Oh my god, Hannibal's headgear. Yeah, and and everything she wears on that show is just out of this world. But I'm also watching it thinking, like, you know, like, Matt Nicholson's really sexy. Like, they kind of paint Hannibal as this really, like, this very sexy creature. But my god, it would be exhausting to be his partner. Like, imagine, like, one night you're like, Hannibal, you know, why don't we just order out? Why don't we just get some pizza? Like, oh no, I can't say that because he might eat me, right? No, that's true. It would it would cause a lot of stress. Yeah, like do you always have to dress like that? You know, uh, is my does my hair always be, have to be perfectly coiffed? It just seems exhausting. Like Julian Anderson's wearing heels the entire time when she's going out shopping. So, like, and I get like that's the kind of woman Hannibal would go want. So it just makes me realize I am not the woman for Hannibal Lecter, and that's okay. Like. Hannibal, I'm going to be over here in my sweatpants. You, you keep wearing them suits. <laughs> you, you look great keep in those suits. But uh, yeah. my, these slippers, uh, they ain't wearing themselves. You know what I'm saying? It's 8 o'clock. I'll be in bed. You, yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's, it's still a great show. Uh, it's, it's good fantasy, I guess, in that, in that I'm sense. I'm glad you're watching it. Oh, yeah. No, I was late to the party because with a lot of shows – 
I just don't always like to take chances on shows that I think are going to be canceled. Uh, yeah, I, you know, it's it's heartbreaking and it's frustrating. Um, and with Hannibal, everything because I like right from the start in the beginning, it was just I'm not going to watch this until I hear if people like it or not. And then very quickly yeah. it was, oh, everybody loves it, but the ratings are really bad, so there's a good chance it's not going to come back. And then season two, the same thing. And then finally, it was really once I heard that they did get to end it because um, they had enough time to end it. So that's when I'm like, okay, fine, I'll, I'll go through, I'll watch it. But yeah, I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's good times. Uh, yeah. And then also Kimmy Schmidt came back to Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of episodes into that. I'm, I'm doing it slow. I'm doing it like, oh, one episode of my commute today kind of thing. I can't remember. Did That's you watch cool. it? That's cool. I've seen most of the first season. I didn't finish it. Okay. That surprises me because I know you were such a 30 Rock fan. And to me, mm-hmm. it is, it's just, it is another 30 Rock. It's just in a different, it's a different storyline in the same kind of universe to me. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We kind of fell out of watching it. Interesting. And then just I just have a really small little little handful, literally a handful of movies that you can hold in your hand if you so chose to. Uh, on <laughs> Netflix Instant, um, the this past year's uh, Creep with Mark Duplass. Yeah, I thought you had seen it already. I had not. I feel like everybody had. And it was one of those movies that I just turned off in my brain because a, a bunch of podcasts covered it and they would start talking about it and they would say, you know, we might be spoiling it. So I would just like stop after that. And I kept like thinking, okay, eventually I'll watch it, especially because I feel like it's going to get spoiled for me. And in a way, like it's, it's odd because it's not a necessarily a twisty movie. Like I think maybe if you knew nothing about it, you'd be more surprised mm-hmm. at stuff. Um I liked it. it. It's short. It's 77 minutes long, which or 87 minutes long. It's very short, is what I'm saying. Um, Mark Duplass is, I think, somebody who understands... He is just so much fun to watch. And I think he's really aware of of his, his presence, I guess, on screen. Uh, That's I think, fair. Yeah, like he, I mean, he, I think most of this movie was just him improvising. He didn't direct it. The other actor directed it. Um, but you just kind of get the sense that it's just, okay, camera on Mark Duplass and just let him go. Cause he just, he's, he's a smart, smart guy, I think is what it comes down to. Um, I liked this. I didn't love it. Did you see it? Me, me too. That's how I felt. Yeah. Um, it's what I found was, and I get, like, I'm not complaining cause the movie's so short that I didn't mind it, but, Mark Duplass is so good and so fascinating and weird. And the other mm-hmm. character, who's really the main character, you know nothing about him. And it makes his decisions make very little sense, I guess. Yeah. It's like, okay, so, what, dude, why don't you just call a friend at this point? Oh, I don't know. Maybe you don't have friends. I don't know anything about you. And it was, like, v- such a lopsided movie in that way that it kind of... yeah. Yeah, it, it didn't fully work for me on that end. Um, but, I mean, it's so short that it's worth a watch. Uh, I agree. He's so charming and charismatic. Oh, he is. I mean, every, and everything I've seen him in is ex- exactly that. Uh, he's. I could watch him do anything. Um, yeah, and in this, like, you get to watch him do some pretty weird shit. So that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, also on Instant, I watched a movie called After... 
So this is one that just kind of... Was it that? It's a... It's, I guess it's being, it's probably like comes up under horror. It's not horror at all. Uh, okay. the premise, I watched it because the premise was basically two people are in a bus crash and when they wake up, they're the only people in town. I'm like, okay, kind of an apocalypse cool. thing. That's cool. It's up by my alley. Um, and this was, was okay. Uh, it's pretty low budget, but it feels professionally done. They, they were very smart about how to, make a very small budget movie, I guess. And it's about these two people that are two young people who are in a bus crash. They wake up, uh, nobody else is around. And there's like this fog moving in on them. So they realize the town's going to get like sucked up. Uh, and it does something really smart, which is very early on. The characters look at each other. They're like, do you think we're dead? <laughs> Cause you know, <laughs> the audience is sitting there being like, they're dead. Right. I've seen like, I, I know how this works. Yeah. They're dead. And it was like a really smart decision for the movie to be like, okay, you know what? Let's just elephant in the room. Let's just do it now. Um, and this, it, I mean, it, it's, I keep saying it's okay. Uh, it's an interesting premise. Which sounds great. It's, it's, it's okay. It's, it's, it's good. It's okay to good, not good to great, I guess. Um, the actors are fine. Um, the guy's pretty likable. The girl, like, it's like they can't decide if she's like just kind of bitchy or, or what. Um, it's, it has all these elements, like there's kind of a monster after them, and the there's the whole like there's they see kind of flashbacks to their past as they walk through town. So it's doing a lot of things. It is more kind of supernatural drama, I guess, than horror. And it's one of those like mm-hmm. tricky things because it's hard. Anybody that watches this movie is probably going to be disappointed because they're expecting a horror movie, and that's not what this is. But if you sell it that way, you're kind of giving away certain things of it that, that are kind of interesting to discover. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it's n- again, it, it has some issues. Like, the score is really more dramatic than the movie merits, I guess, in a bit. Um, but it looks good. It's... I cared about the characters by the end of it. Uh, and it's different. Like it's a, it's a, well, that's, it's a fresh little tale. So it's one that's kind of a, like, Hey, you want try, you want to try something different. You're not in like a really hardcore horror mood. Yeah. Give it a go. Give it a go. I think it's, sounds great now i really want to watch it yeah and maybe when you watch it you can tell me maybe I'll, yeah just just watch it because I, I guess I, i'm curious okay. um uh if if it is great and i just it just didn't connect to me or if um or if there's something else missing that you can help me figure out so after it, and it's um it's not that long either so okay okay i have two more and then i'll put that one in my instant pick um I watched on also okay so uh, on Netflix Instant went to the gym one day yes. and I'm doing the I like to do the elliptical at the gym because that's when I can watch stuff and I'm like John what do I feel like I kind of feel like a movie kind of feel like a horror movie um, you know is there a better time to watch the next VHS movie than like when I when I oh. distracted doing other things so wait the third one the third one VHS viral oh, okay uh, okay still haven't. Oh, you haven't seen it. I thought you had. Uh, it's on instant, obviously. It's short also. Um, the reason, because I remember, if you recall, when we did our VHS, VHS 2 episode, I really thought, I'm like, I'm, I have no, I'm not going to watch the next one. I'm done with these. I don't like them. I keep trying them and they're not working for me. But mm-hmm. the directors in this movie, all four of the directors were guys who I was interested in. It was um, 
Greg Bishop, who did Dance of the Dead, which is a delightful movie. Um, one half of the team that did Dead Girl, which is a movie I really, really, really like and always defend. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guys who did Spring and Resolution. And the guy who did Time Crimes, which I haven't seen, but I've heard is really good. So I'm like, you know what? Yes, that's a good batch. It's a really interesting batch of directors. So I watched VHS Viral. I will say, enjoyed it way more. I mean, way more than the first one. But I enjoy clipping my toenails more than I enjoyed the first one. Um, <laughs> the first one was so bad. I hate the first one so much. Uh, I liked it more than the second one. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Remember, I didn't. I didn't. The second one was a very mixed bag for me. Uh, no, it totally is. Yeah, it was for me too. I just remember it really fondly because of the the high points. You really love that last segment so much. I think that's probably why. Oh, adore it. Yeah, yeah, this one. It this one. I would say it didn't have any segments that I loved, um, but it also didn't have any segments that I really hated. Um, the time crimesy one is okay. It's fine. It's interesting. What, what this one did right was it felt like it looked at anthology in the right way where it's like okay we're gonna tell to me an anthology i mean the whole thing of it it's short stories where you have a definitive ending where you take you Mm -hmm. do something that wouldn't merit a full-length feature but that could be really interesting in 15 minutes so greg bishop who did dance the dead does a story about a, a magician and it's cool and it's quick and it's different it's something i wouldn't want to watch a whole movie of it but it worked fine in 20 minutes um, the guys who did uh, Resolution in Spring, their segment's kind of like, in a way, your typical VHS segment, where it's a bunch of, bunch of teenagers being shitty, and they're like skateboarding in Mexico, and then zombies come after them. But, and even though, like all of these movies, I don't give a shit about any of the characters, um, it's it's filmed really well, kind of, it, actually, now that I think about it, in a lot of the same way that, to me, what the best segment of Part 2 was, was the... Um, uh, Eduardo Sanchez one, the guy on the bike who turns into a zombie. <gasps> yeah. Like it's, yeah, it's that look, kind of, like it's that like one. that, like it's just action horror and it's, it's pretty cool. Um, the wraparounds, which is the, um, by the dead girl one guy, it's, oh, it's okay. the best wraparound of the three, but it's still the worst thing in the movie. I don't know why they have so much trouble with their wraparounds, but they do. Real hard time with the wraparounds. Yeah. Like it's not like to the point where in the first two movies, I really, not even kidding, I would um, rather be cleaning my oven, which I've never actually cleaned before, but realize I have to because that's why um, I keep my kitchen keeps getting smoky when I bake in there. I'd rather be doing that than watch the wraparounds of parts one and two. Uh, and part three of the wraparounds you still not think, good. You think the wraparounds would be like a fun exercise for... Yeah, for, and this one, like again, like it is better in that it's like something, there is action happening and moving so you keep getting mm-hmm. back to it and, like, the actions move a little further and everything. But it just still, like, in this one, it's a, it's almost the reverse of the first two where the first two, like, I don't even remember what happened in the wraparounds. This one goes so far, but you're like, I don't know if you really earned that. Like, is, did an apocalypse just happen? Did this cause it? Because I, I don't – I'm confused. Um, no, I want to see that now, too. Yeah, so – and I think there's actually another story that's either – I didn't watch it after the end credits, but I don't think it was on there. I think it might have been on the DVD. I don't know. Um, So here's the thing. On one hand, this one is, to (laughs) me, much better than the other two. Didn't hate watching it, which shockingly is actually a really good thing for me to say about a VHS movie. Um, Mediocre, but, but watchable and nothing left a terrible taste in my mouth. And then I started thinking about it. I'm like, you know, and it's better about it being... 
like the way the first two, there are so many problems in the way those movies treat women. Uh, This one's much better about that. But then it just dawned on me, I'm like, but you know what really would have helped them? Was it that hard to find a female director for one of these segments? Yeah. Like, it's... Right? Yeah. It's one of those cases where, like, and I don't mean to just pick one thing to say, like, oh, here they could have had a female director. But you have a franchise now that you're three movies into it. And you're hire- you're working with four filmmakers, at least, if they're not teaming up. But you have four opportunities. So now you're up to 12 opportunities for directors. And you know, as a franchise, you've acknowledged that, yeah, it's kind of weird how so many of our segments are about um, abusing women and we seem to have a lot of female nudity. And yeah, maybe, there, maybe we are doing something weird about that. Oh, gee, what what an easy way to kind of make a, like a token statement of just, okay, you know, if we hire a female for this one, at least that's something, right? And it re- like the more I thought about it, the more it really pissed me off. Because uh, it just seems like these movies are still dude fests. And yep. it's just a simple way they didn't have to be, I guess. But no, I'll be curious what you think. It's, um, yeah, yeah. And then yeah, I kind of want to see it. Now. I want you to see it because again, I'm I'm curious because I know you liked the second one more than I did, and I don't know if any of these segments are gonna beat that last one for you. Um, but I feel like overall this was a higher quality. Also, maybe for me, just in terms of the things that piss me off about the other two aren't quite as uh, prevalent in this one. So um, yeah. Yeah, but tell me your thoughts. I'm curious. And, like, watch it when you're at the gym. Like, seriously. Or when you're cleaning your oven. (laughs) Or when you're cleaning my oven. Do you want to come up here and clean my oven? I don't know how to clean an oven. Yes, please. Can we watch VHS 3? Totally. Totally. We can make our own VHS movie. That's what we're going to do. We're going to make our own and then submit it to them. And then when they don't hire us, we're going to call them uh, sexists and sue. Got it. It's so upsetting. I know. I was thinking about because I, I was curious then because I started thinking about it and I looked up um, the gender breakdown in the ABCs of death because now I haven't watched the second one yet because, again, I really didn't like the first one very much. I liked maybe five letters out of 26. Um, and I'm like, you know, I know that the first one had a female director, I think. And I looked it up. The first one has one and a half because I think there's one by Angela Bettis, and then there's one where it's two directors and one was a woman. And then the second mm-hmm. one has the Soska sisters and I think, like, one other. Like, it's something where I think it comes out to be five out of, what is it, 52? Um, Look, Emily, ladies don't like horror movies. When will you learn? I know. I, I Maybe if... Um, I don't know. You know, sometimes I, I'm convinced I'm not actually a woman because I do like horror. Yeah. So therefore, me neither. There's there's a penis hiding somewhere in me. You know, I know. <laughs> me too, you do you, you would know. <laughs> I got weird. Um, Episode yeah, well, sixty nine, Christine. <laughs> I'm just saying it's 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 constantly infuriating. Yeah, and and in a Const- case that is so simple where it's not we're not saying like oh you know you have 14 or 13 no 12 friday the 13th movies and none of them are directed by women like yeah okay i mean you could say that um 
Whereas, hey, you have one <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street directed by a woman. Some would say it's the worst of the bunch. I would say it's the second worst, but still. Um, but, but I mean, you take, like, the VHS movies and the ABCs of Death, where there's so many opportunities, and they're still not opening those doors. So, uh, curious if well, listeners have thoughts about that. Yeah, cause especially when so many of the the um, the entries are, are subpar at best. Yeah, like so. So, what are you asserting that even a subpar f- film or entry made by a dude is more somehow more appealing than something maybe interesting or good or at least different from from abroad? Also, I bet if you count like just people of color, period, involved in that. <laughs> well, they, see, I, VHS I Viral gets a little bit of a pass because the one segment by Nacho Vigalondo, um, I hope that's yeah, how you I, say his I, name because it's fun to say, uh, his is, I think, I don't know if, if he's Mexican or Argentinian or what, but his segment's in Spanish, so it's like, oh, okay, they've, mm-hmm. they've got that card. Well, that's cool. Yeah, but um, yeah, all the other segments are whiter than me, I think. Other than again, they film in Mexico, so there's there's Mexican zombies if that counts. Well, that does count, I guess. Yeah. So you know, but yeah, whenever it's the, you put the cameras, it seems like in these movies, uh, and in aside from the Nacho Vigalando, and in the second movie when you have the Filipino director, I'm pretty sure all of the segments that are directed by young white dudes, um, to my knowledge, they're all pretty much starring young white dudes. And boobs, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm not going to say women. It's of really course. just boobs. So, you know. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Didn't That's mean fun. to go off on another diatribe about those VHS movies, but damn it, I can't talk no. about them without getting angry. <sighs> I, I'm right there with you. Yeah. <sighs> it's funny because I reviewed Viral. I put it on my blog. And as I was talking about it, I'm like writing about it as if I've written about the other two. And I realized, oh, I didn't. I'm like, oh, it's because I really, with the first one, I tr- I couldn't write about it in a way that I felt I was able to express my thoughts on it. I felt like everything, I tr- when I tried writing about the problems I had with it, I wasn't able to vocalize them in a way that didn't just sound like I was like, oh, it's just sexist. Um, I couldn't, yeah. like, I just couldn't find the words on paper for it. Um but it's it just keeps going, even though again this one's an improvement. <laughs> but still, it just keeps going. <laughs> That's a good review of that series. <laughs> it's it is. It's going. Hated, mildly disliked, didn't hate. <laughs> that's that's my arc so far in those movies. Uh, all right, and then <laughs> the last movie I watched was a long wait on Netflix. Um, so again, tip to those at home. If you're a Netflix DVD user, put your long waits at the top because A, they may get out, go out of circulation, then you never get them. And B, if you put them at the top and they don't send them to you, usually they'll send you like two movies in its place or something. So you get a benefit out of that. Uh, the movie I watched was Peter Watkins' Privilege. So have you ever seen a Peter Watkins film, Christine? I Not that I know of. He did Punishment Park and The War Game. Um... The new- not war games starring um not the matthew broderick uh, war games Bieber, no. Right? Oh, okay. no not that one then no <laughs> okay uh peter watkins <laughs> is a fascinating fascinating filmmaker he is british uh made i think started making films in the late 60s um 
I don't know if he's still doing th- – he may be doing documentaries now. I'm not sure. But very uh, – he, he has his own style. And a, most of his films are kind of fake documentaries. Uh, so The mm-hmm. War Game, which actually I think won an Oscar for documentary, which is odd because it's, it's a fictional film. But The War Game is a film sort of like The Day After or Threads where it is set post-nuclear war in England – and it's kind of mm-hmm. documentary style. Okay, here's what's going to happen. So now we're out of food, and now this, and now that. And it's devastating and horrifying uh, and fantastic. Punishment Park is uh, really fascinating. It's done, filmed, it's it's a Vietnam War kind of a, not an analogy of it, but it's a response to it where it's yeah. set in a sort of alternate America, I guess, where there's a war going on. And protesters are kind of put on trial, and it's kind of kangaroo court where they, um, like, they have no chance. And then if, when they are convicted, they're sent to this sort of long walk battle royale where they have to just walk through a desert to survive. But, of course, there's all these things about it. I'm not doing it justice by explaining it. He's really a intellectual, fascinating, politically-minded filmmaker. Um, Privilege is about a pop star in England, and I think this is like late 70s, who just becomes the pop star, who just, you know, Michael Jackson, Madonna, way past any of that. Uh, Mm -hmm. And so he has this huge influence, and they start, government starts kind of using him to do some political stuff. And you see, like, the sway he has over, you know, the population. Uh, And then, of course, they turn on him and all of this. It's interesting. It's um, probably not where I would start with Peter Watkins. I'd probably start with Punishment Park. But then the more you watch his movies, the more you kind of get into this rhythm of this sort of documentary style. And it's... It's just, it's a fascinating movie. All of his stuff is, but it's heady and uh, very kind of amateur in some ways where it's not great filmmaking, but it's just, there's so much going on. Um, mm-hmm. So it's it's definitely somebody you should check out in general if you haven't already. Uh, that's everything I got until I get to my Netflix recommend, which I might have recommended before, but I'm going to recommend again. So there. Yay! On that note, uh, what are we doing? Chronological? Um, or do you, you want to go crazy and talk about the ward first? That had two meanings. Surprisingly, by the way. I go crazy because we go I crazy breaking our say, rule. More to say about one than the other. So I don't, I don't know if you want to go to the go with the one that I have a lot to say about first. Do you feel that way too? Um, do you? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna ride this out, and I'm gonna make you make you make a decision. How about that? Okay, I would like to talk about the one that I have more to say about, which is and that would be Pretty Woman. All right, so we're gonna take a break. Um, we have to go find our best Carol Channing wig to come back and talk about 1990s Pretty Woman. Polly. Thank you. 
nice work if you can get it. So, Christine, yeah, how much do you charge by the hour? <laughs> Way more than a hundred bucks. Okay, and even if it wasn't a hundred bucks, <laughs> if your rate is one hundred dollars an hour, and okay. then somebody hey, says, "Thank you for doing this math," yeah, yeah. then somebody's well, like, s- "How much for the night?" Stay out like, like a thousand. Yeah, like granted, maybe it was already like two a.m. at this time, but, but st- yeah. She's like 100 an hour or 300 for a night. What a bargain. Come on. Kind of is. Her whole math. I mean, I guess this was like 1990. Well, and they established she didn't graduate from high school, right? So 1990 money, that's I I didn't chalk it up to her inability to figure things out. I chalked it up to the fact that money was less than. Mm. Well, I think what did they say? From one thing I looked up in IMDb was like if – it's going to be 3000 for the week, which I think in today would have been like 7000 That's still too... Uh, that's actually not that bad. So 100 I mean... Okay, drink champagne for a week for $7,000. Well, I mean, I guess there's other things you have to do. Um, like almost get raped by George Costanza. But oh boy. we're getting so ahead of ourselves. 1990, Pretty Woman. Uh, yeah. Christine, tell the people at home what this movie's about. It is about a prostitute named Vivian. Oh, okay. More. <laughs> so it's about it's about Julia Roberts being a prostitute and she innocently enough meets up with what I believe to be an autistic Richard Gere. That makes a lot of sense. That's not any. I, I, I'm so, most of my best friends have um a, a, are a bit on the spectrum. The spectrum so say. Oh, so totally I'm not saying saying that in a negative way at all. So she meets up with a really rich, a little touched Richard Gere, <laughs> and they like hang out. And she, it's like a Pygmalion thing. Mm-hmm. Everybody, very. You, much. If you've never seen Pretty Woman, you don't but know you have seen My Fair Lady. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like an Henry Eggins kind of situation. <laughs> Oi. But somehow less offensive. Yeah. I find this movie shockingly no, I don't I don't like this movie. I think it's boring and it's a little long. Mm-hmm. But through the lens of someone who is a staunch pro-sex work feminist like myself, mm-hmm. this is not an offensive movie. Yeah. Um, as, a, as a lady, <laughs> I don't really like it because she's all talking about princess, princess rescued, and, like Rapunzel. That has nothing to do with the sex work. And you know what? Maybe it was the filmmaker's ignorance about sex work and not wanting to make like a mean, unfriendly movie that kept them from doing the things that they would probably normally do with this movie. Um, but it still kept it from being unoffensive, but yet still made her be a damsel in distress. <laughs> this is, it, you know, in so many ways, this is such a weird movie. Uh, it's, it's now, and a good part of that comes from who's behind it. So this was originally Gary meant to. Marshall. It's Gary fucking Marshall, <laughs> who it's like perfect that we're recording this now because I believe what comes out this weekend is Mother's Day, a movie he's directing starring Julia Roberts. Only it's one of those like 
Love Actually, Valentine's Day, romantic comedies where every that they have to make now for every holiday and everybody's in love and awful, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, but I th- believe the original script for this movie, this project was going to be darker. Um, Vivian was going to also do cocaine as opposed to in the movie where there's like one moment where you think she might be doing cocaine. It's like, no, she just wants to floss that strawberry out of her teeth. Uh, and orig- I think even... But see, ori- it's, it's that inability or the, the unwillingness or the studio's unwillingness to make it be a mean, gritty, realistic telling yeah. of a streetwalker that kept it from being about a normal person who happened to do sex work, which is fucking what every fucking movie should be about that has a, <laughs> a fucking prostitute in it. Should be a, just a movie about a person that happens to do sex work. Yeah. Sorry. And I'm well, that's very, the thing. It's, it's really odd about, about this movie. And that's why I was also really excited to talk to you about it because I know you have such strong feelings on it, is that... It it dances around in many ways prostitution because notice they you never actually see Julia Roberts with any other Johns, yes. and I'm sure that was deliberate where they kind of said like oh you know we want it to, we want it to be about love and everything like we're gonna you know we're not gonna necessarily show her trying to pick anyone else up and that feels a little bit like a cop out but again then you think no this is made. Who is this movie made for? Exactly. Yes. And I mean, you think the success of this movie, um, the the nearest example I can think of in like the last 10, 20 years would be something like Love Actually, mm-hmm. where a crowd pleasing love story of a movie that and even bigger, though, that was a massive hit that launched Julia Roberts, who had done some things. I mean, she was nominated for an Oscar for Steel Magnolias by the time this came out. But if you can remember Julia Roberts in the early 90s, uh, she was the biggest female movie star on the planet for years. And it is because of this movie. And watching it, what surprised me was I'm like, I could totally see why, because she is delightful. She actually is super duper likable in this movie. She is so charming. And I don't really, I'm not really charmed by her most of the time. Yeah, I've never been a big fan. And a big part of it is, I think for you too, like we're not necessarily the fans of the types of movies that she made, that made her big. We're not romantic comedy fans overall. And especially her this era where it was very mainstream it was very crowd pleasing mm-hmm. um but in this she like it's like kind of what i was saying about nicole kidman with dead calm where she's really young making that movie and yet you could see the ca- like the camera loves this woman uh and with pretty woman like she, i mean she is just charming and adorable and beautiful but it's not just that she's pretty and can, you know, deliver snappy lines. Like, there is that it factor that she has in this movie. And yeah. it's why this movie works without question to me. It doesn't work because of the story. It doesn't work because of the script. It works because she is so wonderful. And Richard Gere plays off of that really well, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a weird performance from him. Um, and apparently, like they said, like, when they started filming, he was not giving this performance. He was much more dynamic, and he was playing it a little more naturally. And they kind of decided, like, that's not this. Like, that's not what this movie needs. This movie needs her to be the Flash, and you to kind of be the, you know, stoic everything else. 
and it really works. And I think as much as this is in a lot of ways more his movie, because he's the one who has the arc, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I think it's, it's a, it's an understated and probably deceptively interesting and hard performance on his end. Yeah. I mean, I usually don't like him at all and I was fine with him. He did have dead black hamster eyes, but, but I think like, he's supposed to. <laughs> he really I, does have hamster eyes. I never thought about that. It's it's fine if that's what they're going for. That's fine. I wouldn't. He is he is charming in his inability to interact with other people. <laughs> Do you know? Um, so there's a whole lot of casting trivia on this one. Do you want to know who original? So for the female part, basically, the Zach IMDb- Red who turned this movie down to me. Oh, it's insane. Oh, everybody did. A- apparently. If if you were an actress between the age of twenty and forty, working in nineteen eighty nine, supposedly you were offered this movie. Uh, they say like Meg Ryan and um, uh, Gina Davis. Like basically, they say every single actress you can name. The mm-hmm. one that seems to have come closest was Diane Lane, where she was going to like she had done like wardrobe stuff for it, but this was still when the script was darker. When Vivian did cocaine, and I think when it didn't end happy. Like, that's when Diane Lane was involved in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, she, I think, left... I think it was, for whatever reason, this, this took a long time to get made. And by then, they decided, like, let's make it a, rom- a happy, fuzzy, romantic comedy. Um, and at that point, you know who they brought in to play Edward? I think I I don't remember, but I know I was told it, this. <laughs> no, <laughs> this is a hard one. No, it's, is it hard to picture or is it not hard to picture? Al Pacino. Yeah, definitely the, wouldn't have liked the movie. Then. The thing that I can't decide, like it, it's the kind of movie where it's so hard to know because I honestly think the reason this movie was what it was was because of Julia Roberts. As far as it hitting the zeitgeist and being popular. Yeah. I don't think um, if you put a Meg Ryan or a Diane Lane, I it would have been a different movie for a variety of reasons, so it's hard to know. But I was trying to figure out while watching this movie, like Richard Gere is is a handsome, I mean, he has dead hamster eyes, but he's a handsome man. It's, you can't argue <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, and at this point in his career, he was still very hot. He was pretty fresh off of Officer and a Gentleman and... Um, American Gigolo. So you have a very good-looking, wealthy man as your as the romantic partner. I can't decide if it would have been braver or more interesting if they had gone with someone like Al Pacino, who um, would just be physically less of a match for Julia mm-hmm. Roberts, or. If it would have been creepy and you would have felt like, oh, it's another case of them, beautiful woman, unattractive man, uh, of course he gets her kind of thing. Do you have any thoughts on that? Am I overthinking it? I don't think you're overthinking it. I think that this this movie, I think if you had changed any aspect of it, you would have had a completely different movie. Um, because this is a, a lightning in a bottle kind of situation. Yeah. It works when it really shouldn't have there's no reason why it should have 
Yeah, it works in spite of what it is, I think. It, it should have imploded on itself. Yeah. So, yeah, if you made the Richard Gere character be way more, like, handsome and charming and stunning and, like, on, it wouldn't have been the same movie. If mm-hmm. you made them be this old, rich guy and we think, like, well, does she like him or does she just want his money? It wouldn't right. have been the same movie. It, it, you change anything about it and it's going to turn into this weird, maybe, like... Something slightly less genuine than this managed to be? Yeah, because I think it kind of... There's a balance, I think, in that it's Richard Gere and he's wealthy. And he's not that age inappropriate for her. Yeah. Like, he's probably like 10, 15 years older than her, but it's not... Um, in Hollywood, that's that's normal and what you'd expect. Uh, whereas if they had gone for like a full-out Beauty and the Beast, let's say, uh, it... It, I think, would have been very hard to see it as an equal footing romance, I guess. Mm -hmm. Whereas him being this handsome but very emotionally distant and empty man, they're somehow, they're matched. They're evenly matched, I guess. And and it goes a long way and it, it works. And again, I don't think it's necessarily the skill of the script by any means or even Gary Marshall who, um... I think now of what he's done, Gary Marshall has made some really bad work, I think. Yeah. He's no Penny Marshall. Penny Marshall inherited most of the skill in that family. Um, whereas Gary Marshall is makes crowd pleasers. And somehow this movie about a prostitute uh, became such a crowd pleaser. And it's fascinating. It is. It really is. Yeah, I'm looking at, okay, so Gary Marshall's uh, filmography, after a whole lot of TV, um, we get Flamingo Kid Overboard, which is a great example, again, of a movie that has so many problems when you really think about it, Mm -hmm. uh, where essentially you have a man who's kidnapped a woman and forced her to raise his children. Um, It's really fucked up, but because it's Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn, they managed to make it into something really enjoyable. Beaches, which I will defend because I love <laughs> that Midler and I grew up with that movie. Uh, Exit to Eden, Dear God. The, you get into, like, I feel like after this movie, he's definitely kind of found his niche of really movies that I really would never want to watch. Uh, <laughs> Runaway Bride, The Princess Diaries, Princess Diaries 2, Valentine's Day, New Year's Eve, Mother's Day. It's it's a lot of very um, – it, it, they're movies made for specifically a female uh, audience that is watching a movie for comfort, not for like intellectual stimulation or anything. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. It's fine to have those movies. Um, they're usually not my thing. This is not – this movie is not my thing. Uh, this is so not a movie made for me. Um, but it's fascinating in how I enjoyed it so much more than I thought I would. Yeah. Um, I really thought it was going to be a nightmare to get through. Yeah. Especially in the, it opens with um, a look, – look, it's Hank Azaria. And I was really excited because I thought he'd be in the movie more, but he's not. Yeah, right. But you open with like – Julia Roberts walking by, oh, a prostitute's been killed in the dumpster over there. They're looking at her body now. And you're like, oh, that's, wow, okay, what are we doing with that? Nothing. Nope, nothing. nothing. We never get back to that. 
I mean, she does she does reference it. I can't remember the point she's making, but she does reference it. She does. You're right. But but like the, I really feel like they're like, "Okay, we've now for some reason decided that this is going to be a romantic comedy really skewed to women." Yep. But we're still she's still going to be a prostitute, but we're not going to be we're not going to be mean about it at all. Yeah, and they really don't so guilt weird. her about it. Like they don't yep. and they don't have her saying like, "I wanted to be this when I grew up, but instead I'm a prostitute." Like she I mean, she doesn't and I think again, this is where having Julia Roberts in that part makes a difference. She handles it as if like, eh, this is just what she does. And it's, yeah, it's, it's refreshing. (laughs) And she doesn't easily let people shame her. Like she's embarrassed when she's in situations where she doesn't, you know, they go to a polo match and yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that specifically. Okay. So, so basically what happened was actually, Maybe I'm reading too much into it, but it was actually really nuanced. And because when when um, Jason Alexander propositions her at the polo match, she's rightfully disgusted, and I completely agreed with her reaction to it. Mm-hmm. And Zach was kind of like, "Well, she is a prostitute," and 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 I said, "Yeah, but on her terms, she's not a prostitute right now. Right. She's just a lady standing there." And because and Richard Gere cops to it later because he didn't like her talking to that other dude yep. near the horse. He said something shitty and was inconsiderate and told Jason Alexander something that he really had no business knowing. So he treated her as such. So he was in the wrong. And then, and then later in the movie, Julia Roberts says that she, when she's out on the street wearing her clothes, mm-hmm. she's ready for it. She's prepared. Yeah. She knows what's coming. When she's just standing there being a lady in a dress, that dude has no right to go talk to her like, like that. I get really impassioned. No, and, like- and I think you're right. Um, let's. Here's a simple analogy. Let's say you're a waitress. You work in a restaurant. You see a customer. You go to a party and, oh, look, that's one of the customers that I know. And he says, oh, could you go get me a drink? No. Oh, but you're a waitress. That's what you do, right? No, I'm not working right now. It, Thank it you. Is. That's yeah. exactly what it is. She is allowed to not be that for a minute. Yeah. And it's not it's it's on her terms and yeah she's with the dude but also dude wants her to acclimate and act like these people so i got really mad like like that first of all jason alexander's character was so fucking deplorable in this movie oh he was i don't think in a um again surprisingly not in a unbelievable um uh token mustache twirling villain way yeah. Like I t- from the very first scene when they introduce him and he's like so worried about his car and I kind of knew like I I I knew I'm like oh I think uh Jason Alexander tries to rape Julia Roberts at some point. Like I think I remembered that, but again, I, this is my first time actually watching this movie. Um where like yeah, he is as smarmy as you can be, but again, part of it's that they cast Jason Alexander who yeah. if you've watched Seinfeld, like it's two steps up from George basically. And so it works fine, and it's believable, and it didn't feel pandering, we need a villain, let's stick him in here. It felt mm-hmm. like this kind of privileged, um, like, white rich guy would treat every woman like a prostitute, because he thinks he can. Yep, and that rape scene is awful. Yeah. Oh, it is. 
That the attempted rape. Yeah, whatever. but again, like, and then I think of something so like upsetting. Um, I, I can't remember who brought up Showgirls, but like you know, Showgirls, which is a movie that uh is a blast and is ridiculous and everything else. But man, even for me who loves Paul Verhoeven, man, is it hard to find anything that you can defend about the rape scene. Whereas yeah. in this one, it's 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 awful, um, but in a way. <laughs> Like and and I and I have problems with it because I also don't like that basically Richard Gere has to come in and save the day and all this other stuff. Yeah. Um. But it oddly enough, it doesn't feel like it comes out of nowhere, and I think that's what I always assumed it did. I guess. Yeah. It it doesn't come out of nowhere. It's true to the characters very much. Um. It's it's true to the characters. It, I I guess maybe I just don't. At the core of Julia Roberts' character, I don't like her because there are a few points in the movie where I just wanted her to say, like, look, I can take care of myself or I don't need you to save me. And she never did. Nope. Well, because – But that's not the movie I was watching. Yeah. And I I don't know. If they made it today, would they do it differently? Probably not. Oh, my God. I'm terrified of what it would be. It would be so fucking offensive if they remade it. It would because it would be so, like – they would make the prostitution angle so much harsher. And you know yep. Laura San Giacomo would have died if they make it today. Yep. They would have had Julie Roberts come home and find that she OD'd. No question yep. about it. Um, and she, her father would have molested her or something. Oh, yeah, without question. Like, she'd go into some, like, awful background shit. And, yep. Like, well, you know, my, my father used to beat us, and it's just... Yeah. Uh, that... Uh, but with that, um, the being saved, like, it's easily my biggest Achilles heel for the movie. Is yeah. that, and I, I, I even feel like I read something where, like, that was kind of thrown in. Or no, I think it was that they didn't know exactly what the ending would be. Like, at, at a certain point, they're like, because like, originally they didn't end up together. And then as they were filming, they're like, yeah, no, of course they're going to end up together. And then the way, spoiler alert, they end up together. And in the movie where he kind of comes and there's a fire escape and he climbs up the fire escape and everything, I think that wasn't fully realized until somewhere through filming. So the whole Mm -hmm. I'm in a tower and he comes and saves me, which becomes so literal, (laughs) which on one hand, like, if I was a different person, I'd be like, oh, that's cute because they talk about his fear of heights and here he is climbing that to save her. On the other hand, fuck you, you're a strong woman, you don't need to be saved. Yeah, yeah, kinda. Mm, it's kind of yeah. where I was yeah, at exactly. too. Um, shopping discrimination, Christine. Oh boy, it's actually okay. This is a really good point. I know that's an an iconic scene. You know, big mistake, huge. Like yep, I know we yep. all know they reference it in the office. There's like a whole office episode about it. Um, but there's something to be said in this movie about the people that are nice to her tend to be service industry people. So there's a lot of, like, class-based stuff going on in yeah, there. Yeah, you're right. Which is really interesting. Like, and, um, what's his face? Well, Hector Elizondo, gonna... who plays Thank the, you. um, hotel manager. I couldn't think of his name. So he, like, really toes the line between the two worlds. Like, he's yep. a, clearly a service-oriented dude, basically at the beck and call of these people. And... But yet, like, he has to kind of perpetrate, at least, that he lives in their world. And he really toes that line. And he's really nice to her. And like, Yeah, he's, like, he's her fairy godfather, essentially. Like, the people, the people in, the, in the restaurants are nice to her. Yeah. Like, every, 
the service industry people are nice to her. And it's just really, really interesting. Um, so it, to me, that it's 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 a lot about class and about being poor and and stuff. And I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, it's you know the more you say it, I didn't really pick up on that specific aspect. But you're right. It is. It's the. It's like the like the old like you can always tell you can say you can tell everything you know about a person based on how they treat their waiter or how they treat yeah. people that work for them, uh, and there is something in this case to where it's like whether they like know that she's one of them in a sense, mm-hmm. and not to say like there's this level thing, but there is you know if you're a waiter at a restaurant you're closer probably in some ways in terms of your class to a prostitute maybe than you are to a millionaire it's you know the 99 percent to the one percent yeah um and they do and that's something i did like is that as much as occasionally like you know they get into an elevator and everybody's just staring at her everywhere they go it's a little much but there's also that kindness that goes a long way. So the, the waiter who's like, when she's trying to open up like an oyster and it just flips everywhere and the waiter's like, Oh no, it happens to everyone. And it's really, really sweet. Mm-hmm. And then apparently it's the same waiter in the princess diaries, which is kind of cute. I've never oh, seen yeah. the princess I've diaries, that, but I've been too. told. Um, and even the quote unquote, the rich people, they're not monsters. And especially like the main client, because that's the other kind of subplot is that Richard Gere's company basically just buys companies and then breaks them up and sells them. And there's this company that he's supposed to buy, but you kind of learn that like he actually really respects the guy who owns the company and he doesn't really want to destroy this man's legacy. And the man has like a grandson who's about Julia Roberts' age and who's clearly wealthy. Like he plays polo. He's grown up there. But again, like the two of them aren't just rich, haughty snobs. Like they're real people. Mm -hmm. So there is like – there is an attempt to kind of humanize a lot of people. The only ones that are really over the top, aside from Jason Alexander, are those bitches that work on Rodeo Drive. Yeah, they're pretty terrible. They're really mean, too. Yeah. And then again, like, she goes to another store that Hector Elizondo sends her to, and they're lovely, and they're nice. And he just the whole time, you're like, lady, like, I'm sure, like, because that was was another problem I had, was I hate that she gives up after one store, they kind of make it seem. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, if nothing else, just go to the mall. Like, there's a limited, I'm sure. Like, you can find something. You don't have to talk to the sales lady. I, um, I loved the... She when she went to the the second store that um the dude called ahead yeah. for and she's like well you know he's not my uncle and she was like they never are <laughs> really funny to me yeah. for streets <laughs> kind of like like bitch knows what's up like these yep. are people that live in the real world yes, it's like the upstairs downstairs kind of thing yeah I liked it yeah and I thought it was fascinating and this is just a case of like two thousand or nineteen ninety to two thousand sixteen. When Julia Roberts is, uh, walks into the store and the woman's like, you're a size six, right? <laughs> like, okay, let's let's go back to The Devil Wears Prada, where um, the whole thing is like Anne Hathaway can't wear the clothes in the fancy room because she is a size six and she has to lose weight to become a size four. It's just one uh, of those things where like – and Julia Roberts is, you know, her body is perfect in this movie. She is fit, but she is not a stick. Like, it, she's beautiful and it's like – 
it's just one of those funny things where I'm like, you would never, like, no actress today would want to admit to being a size six. Absolutely you know? not. Uh, and then, and it's just plain and simple. I will always give bonus points to a movie that has a trying on clothes montage. Yeah, it was a cute one, too. Yeah. And it's, you know, and like, again, it's how iconic so many parts of this movie became. Mm-hmm. And and I said it, and it's absolutely true. My biggest, like, example of this movie's influence was on an episode of Days of Our Lives, where... Um, Billy ends up in in LA and has to pretend to be like a rich girlfriend so she gets to go shopping and it's the exact same thing in Pretty Woman where she walks into That's one store so and they take her out and then she comes back and shows off. Uh, and I mean, how many times have you seen the box joke where they close a box on a poor woman's finger? Oh, I love it. it. It's so stupid. It's so stupid and for whatever reason, it was like... It was the thing. It was the Yokiero Taco Bell thing that everybody like latched onto uh and it's 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 just fascinating that this movie is one of those cultural touchstones that for whatever reason just connected to so many people and in some ways i can see why and in other ways it's just so weird to see i guess um we didn't talk about laura san giacomo but laura san giacomo is is the best friend yeah, she's good. Yep, she's cute. And, you know, she's going to be a hairdresser. How about that? Doesn't die of a cocaine overdose, like I assumed. Yeah, I mean, it's... I wish that maybe there could have been a little bit more of, like... I, I like... I, just a little bit more of her actualizing herself. Like, no, I, I this is what I enjoy doing. Like... <laughs> This is my job. There was no real shaming of it, but there was no real owning of it. Yeah, and the fact that both kind of took a real, like, (laughs) (laughs) non-committal view, which which is better than I can say it probably would be now, so. Well, yeah, because you have your two characters who are prostitutes by the end of the movie. They basically have said, I'm going to do something different with my life. So, yeah. yeah. Which, I mean, is their prerogative. Yep, yep. But it's, it's a movie that doesn't... Um, it, it could have been really harsh and cruel to the profession of prostitution. Yeah. Uh, and it's not a glowing, um, endorsement or anything of it, but it's, no, it, 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 it finds a really interesting line where it stays on a more positive side to it, I guess. And yeah. something else that I like is that they don't shy away from it. Julia Roberts and Richard Gere are having sex during this week. She's being paid for it and they are having sex. It is not. He That's true. You know, it would have been very easy in the, for them to kind of say like, for him to be like, you know what? I just want to sleep next to you or, or something where it's like, oh no, no, no. Like sex isn't actually involved in it. And they, and no, it's very, very clear that they are having sexual relations this week. Mm-hmm. And I think that's really important for maintaining a certain integrity to this deal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting one, to be sure. It really is. A lot more interesting than you would think. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad I picked it. Did you watch it on YouTube like I did? 
No, we um found another way. Found another way to watch it. Yeah, no, it's all it's on YouTube in its entirety. What's funny is the YouTube does something funky where at different angles, um, Julia Roberts has like red devil red eyes. Wow, and it's, cool. it gives a whole new dimension to the movie. I think. Yeah, but uh. Yeah, it's it's one that I I again I felt like I should watch it because I had never seen it, and it is such a movie that almost everybody has seen. Um, mm-hmm. It's one that I think I would kind of say if you've never seen it, it's I mean you're not missing anything, but it's just kind of interesting for how big it was. And then if you haven't seen it in years and are just curious where it stands, it'd be interesting. I'm really interested, I guess, for our listeners to watch it with 2016 eyes and see where, where they kind of fall on it. Because I think when yeah. I first said Pretty Woman, we all kind of were like, oh, God, it's going to be terrible. But it's it's not. It's really not. <laughs> yeah. It's like VHS viral, not so terrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. We have to rate it, don't we? We do. You know we do. I'm not prepared Quality for Quality of film. Uh, I'll go first, then. How's that? Okay. So all quality right, of film. Right. And again, I'm trying to think of who this made... <laughs> trying to think who this movie is made for, and then I think of how successful it was, so I'm like, well, it had to be doing those things right for that audience, of which I wouldn't have considered myself a member of. Um, so, if you do all that criteria, you have to... Okay, go ahead. Yeah, do in it. terms of, like... How is this movie for its audience? I would probably say it's like a 7.25. It is. It's yeah. like a 7, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. It's, it is a solid romantic comedy drama that gives you a relationship that's easy to invest in. It's really watchable. Um, and in terms of its putting everything together and its filmmaking, like it's it's fine. And for what it is, especially when you think of some of the examples of its peers, it's much better than a lot of them. Yeah, it's true. Is that your score too? Yeah, mine's a seven. Okay. Uh, quality of life and stuff. Um, I mean, for me, I'm glad I saw it because I've just always been curious. And it does certainly validate um, the skill of Julia Roberts and Richard Gere. I think both come off proved something to me as I watched this that I didn't see necessarily in either actor before. But still, mm-hmm. like, this just isn't a movie for me. I'm probably never going to watch it again. I will probably watch the shopping montage a lot. Um, so, I mean, for me, quality of life, I'll go six. 6.5. Okay. Yeah, it's definitely like, oh, is this why people like Julia Roberts? <laughs> I think I get it now. Okay. There we go. Um, But yeah, I don't... I've seen it so many times just because it always ended up on TV. And clearly there's something about it that I'm taken by because Mm -hmm. I've watched it in various increments a bunch of times. And so I don't know if I'll ever actively seek it out. But if it was on TBS and I was flipping through, I don't know if I'd change the channel Mm -hmm. either. I mean, it, it has a spark to it, I think. Yeah. And, and it's 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 a little over long for me. Mm-hmm. I think that it, it it at one point we paused the television. I don't know, just to like stand up or something. And I was like, "How are there forty minutes left?" Yeah, I watched it in two sittings. I watched it on my way to work, and then the next day on my way to work. Like it is a, and it feels like it could have been shaved down a little bit. Yeah, 
Um, but yeah, I I guess I recommend it. <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I mean, again, I'm really glad we chose it because it was one that it's just such a cultural touchstone. I remember the video store at um, where I grew up would always change its posters, right? You have movie posters and you change like the ones that are on like the outside window and they would change them. And they kept that pretty woman poster up for like 10 years. And I think it's because this movie was just so popular still that it's still, and I did, I didn't look this up. I have no idea, but I wouldn't be surprised if this was one of the most rented movies of the nineties. Yeah, Maybe. Remember, there's a 9 or 2 and 0 episode where, like, Kelly and Donna are renting videos, and they're like, oh, we're just going to rent Pretty Woman again. We know we are. And, like, they talk about, like, oh, yeah, but you're not Julia Roberts. I should be a prostitute. Blah, blah. <laughs> uh, savvy 9 or 2 and 0 watchers are like, I know that, that episode. It's the one where the crazy girl tries to impersonate Kelly and then tries to kill her with carbon monoxide. But anyway, uh, point being, influential film. Uh, so you're good on Pretty Woman? I'm, I'm actually really good on Pretty Woman. <laughs> Yeah, how about that? We are going to take a quick break um, and then come back. We're going to take a quick dance break, if you will. Come back and, and talk about the ward. I smell women, smell them in the air. Think I'll drop my anchor in that harbor over there. Lovely ladies, smell them through the smoke. Seven days at sea can make you hungry for a poke. Even stokers need a little stoke. We're back. I forgot there were two fun fa- fun other facts about Pretty Woman that I wanted to mention. Okay. Okay, so one is that apparently Richard Gere, when he's playing the piano, he's actually playing the piano, and he wrote that That's music himself. Cool. The other thing was the other actress that was, all, that was like, after Diane Lane left the project, it was kind of down to Julia Roberts and or another actress. And that actress, and this, to me, is interesting. Um... Valeria Golino from Pee-wee's Big Top Pee-wee, Italian actress. Oh, okay. Like, and that's a case where, it, it again, it wouldn't have been what Pretty Woman was, but I feel like that would have been a very, it would have been a very different movie, but I would have also liked to see that movie. Would have brought a different dimension, I think. But anyway. Yeah, it would have been, no matter what casting choices you made, it would have ended up being a different movie. Yeah. Maybe good, maybe bad, but... Mm-hmm. But but not the the what it was so yeah all right so now on to the ward the ward I all of a sudden I realized I can't say this word the, the ward because I, I, I was talking about it to Brandon I said I'm like oh I watched the ward today the ward today he's like what the, I'm like the ward the the, the ward w a r d and then I start pronouncing it the ward so that's how I say it now yeah the ward the ward yeah uh 2010. Directed by some dude named John Carpenter. Yeah, he never did anything, right? Yeah, not that I know of. He had taken a long sabbatical from filmmaking. Uh, I guess the last thing was what, Ghosts of Mars? And then he came back with this one? I think. Sure. Um, So now we should say... um, are we? Do we want to talk, try to talk about this movie without giving away things, and then just give a spoiler alert, and then talk more in depth? 
We can do that. I don't know how much I have to say. Okay. All right. So let's let's talk. Well, we're not going to talk spoilers yet. Um, I mean, there. It, this is the kind of movie that the spoiler means a lot to the movie. It's um, true. So we'll give a warning. We will talk about it because I think it's kind of you kind of have to. Uh, but we're going to give a warning before we get there. So for now, without giving any spoilingness, uh, Christine, what is the word about? Okay, no spoilers. No spoilers. Okay. It's about a lady who is Amber Heard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know who is Amber Heard. I was playing that close to the vest. Um, so <laughs> so it's a lady, about, everybody. The, the, film, the film opens on a lady burning down a house, mm-hmm. and that's Amber Heard. And then she gets scooped up and dumped into some kind of mental ward. hospital. Award. A ward. A ward of, of types. With um, At that point, there are four other girls. One, two, three... Four, with four other ladies, and there's this murderous other lady. Mm-hmm. Is she a real lady? Is she a ghost? Is she... Are they all crazy? We don't know. <laughs> uh, and there's an orderly who does not rape them. Yeah, there's an orderly that does not rape them. Yeah. And he's like a young orderly. It's not like a kindly old orderly. Like, no, like, you meet him, you're like, oh, he's going to totally rape Amber no, like, I was thinking, huh. That orderly could get it. And, and then he was just a regular guy. And, like, he could have gotten it because the one one of our crazy girls is, like, all about hitting on him. And he's like, nope, I don't do crazy chicks. No, thank no, you. No, thank you. Um, yeah, so now this was not written by Carpenter. This seems to have, I guess, kind, kind of a for-hire project. I, I don't know exactly how he ended up attached to it. Mm-hmm. If it was just him being like... Yeah, I kind of want to make a movie again. Then some studio was like, oh, we have a script. You want to do this one? He's like, yeah, sure. It's fine. Yeah, why not? <laughs> Apparently on the commentary track, um, Jared Harris, who's in it, who plays the psychiatrist, uh, mm-hmm. asks John Carpenter why he's... I can never remember that that's that dude's name. Jared that sounds Harris. like a much younger dude's name. Yeah, but then you think of how it's spelled, and it's spelled odd, right? It's like Yeah, I think so. And for some reason, that explains it all to me. <laughs> um. Jared Harris asks Carpenter in the commentary why he didn't he's like, Oh, why didn't you compose the score for this movie? And Carpenter's answer was like, I'm just too damn old. Yeah. Which is really sad. That's really sad. It it is. And I mean, we're talking John Carpenter, who we talked about last on last episode when we did in the Mouth of Madness. But I mean, he is he's royalty. He's cinematic royalty. He defined uh the slasher genre. He change cinema not just horror cinema halloween biggest independent film of all time at the time um you know and the man has is a master filmmaker and some of his films are easily great films so with this one i mean it it kind of feels like he was just like yeah i'll I'll direct a movie (laughs) that's my understanding of it so that's what i kind of wanted the only at this point i have nothing to say about this movie um, the only thing I wanted to know from you is if you thought it felt at any point like a John Carpenter movie. Mm. Uh, mm. No, like it, it didn't feel like anybody made like made it, this movie. It, it felt like this movie materialized. Yeah, this in front is the of kind me. of movie where if I had I forget what was the last movie where I felt this way about where I watched it 
Like, if I had watched, put this movie up on instant, because I saw, like, oh, here's a movie. Oh, it's a pretty good cast. Um, okay, girls in a, in a psych hospital. That sounds interesting. And I watched it. I would have probably would have been like, that was all right. That was better than I thought it would be. And then if I saw John Carpenter, I'd be like, what the fuck? Which was kind of, I know what it was. It was when I watched um, Jin, which was the genie movie. Mm-hmm. And was like, yeah, that's, that's, that's okay. Like, it's, it's doing some interesting things. Like, if, you know, a young filmmaker probably, like, is promising. And then I see directed by... Toby Hooper. <laughs> and I'm like, what is it? What? Like, it completely changed what I saw. And in this yeah. case, I went into this movie knowing it was directed by John Carpenter. And if I had watched it only knowing that, if I had never heard anybody say a word about this movie, and it showed up one day, and I saw John Carpenter's newest movie, and I watched it, yeah, I would have been crushed. I would have just been like, yeah. oh my god, this is... Just like anybody could have made this movie. If I had watched this not knowing anything about it, or rather, I watched this movie instead, hearing five years ago when this came out, and people saw it at TIFF, and people saw it, you know, as soon as it went to DVD, and basically all I heard was, I can't believe this is a John Carpenter film. Mm-hmm. For me, my expectations were so low that I thought it was going to be bad. It's not bad, it's okay. And that's okay, but not okay when it's John Carpenter behind the camera. Yeah. Uh, and it's... The other thing is that, like, there's some really good ingredients. Like, you have, a, you have a really good cast. You have Jared Harris, who's always solid, and yeah. you know, gets... Um, is good. Uh, he just He doesn't get much meat, and maybe that's intentional for some reveals. But still, like, it, it's a little wasted. Um, you have the, like, the, the girls in the cast are all, you know, interesting actresses who've done some really good work and some okay work. You have Meryl Streep's daughter, Mamie Gummer. Um, you have Lindsay Fonseca, who I love. She's on Agent Carter, and she's adorable. Yeah, I like her a lot in this movie. And then I went and looked to see what she was in and saw that it was Agent Carter. Yeah, she's a- like the best friend in Agent Carter. And she's just, like, she's one of those actresses who's really cute um, and has, like, just a really fun presence. And she's my favorite thing in this movie. And that's kind of spoiler alert. She's one of the first ones to go. Mm -hmm. And I really did feel like when she's gone, the dynamic with the remaining girls is so much less interesting. And I don't know if it's just that it's not that well thought out. Like, I guess, is it Danielle Panabaker is supposed to kind of be like the bitchy one? Yeah. Mamie Gummer is the crazy one. Uh, But there's just not that much interesting interaction between the girls not at all and that's something where i was like really hope as soon as like i started seeing like oh we're getting a lot of scenes of these chicks hanging out i'm thinking like okay carpenter can do that okay but nothing happens no nothing happens they don't have any actual conversations i don't i honestly don't know how they filled this time nothing happens no one says anything interesting nothing interesting happens there is there's one thing that i thought i'm like oh this could be neat and so this movie came out in 2010 um american horror story asylum was probably what 2012 or so and it's set in the same time period right it's set in like the 1960s and in insane asylums yeah and that's i mean that's a rich rich territory to explore 
And American Horror Story is a mess of a show, and that season's a mess, but there's some things it does really, really well, or some things it brings up. And a big, the best thing about American Horror Story about that season is um, Sarah Paulson's character is a lesbian, and they deal with how gay people were kind of treated as insane in some circles yeah. in the 60s. And so, you know, there's all this, like, well, we're going to, you know, cure you of that. And they kind of drop a hint about that with Lindsay Vincent's yeah. character. Where, like, and they never go back to They don't it, do though. anything with it. Where they have yeah. her, like, right at the beginning, they're like, oh, is this your new girlfriend? And they, you're like, oh, okay, that's a really, I'm really curious where they're going to go with this. Like, this is great. Like, yeah, make her a lesbian. No. And not to spoil yet, but when you get to the ending, you're like, oh, okay, well, I guess they, it didn't make sense to do that. But man, this would have been a more interesting story if they had. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's, you, you have these five broads yeah. for, the, for, for a chunk of the movie in this really enclosed space because it really is just that, you know, that ward is the set. And they don't really do anything. They don't interact. They don't. And they're they don't. not. Yeah, they're not given like real good power dynamics. Yeah. Um, like Mamie Gummer's just left, like as they say, hung out to dry. Yeah. Um, because she, I mean, she's going for it. She's crazy. But there's no real sense of what we're supposed to think about that, or what the girls think about that. So like nobody mm-hmm. acknowledges that she's crazy. So she's just in a different movie than. Uh, Daniel Panabaker, who's kind of playing it somewhat straight as just kind of a bitchy, like, and I think they're trying to get to like her being slutty, but that doesn't. But come they across. don't ever really. They like, don't really pull the trigger no, on any she of these. With the orderly and talks about being pretty, and that's it. So it's yeah, like okay, well, she, you know, she's not crazy. There's no real commitment to any of these archetypes that they're playing yeah the other um so the other girl is supposed to be like the kind of like babyish girl who has pigtails and carries a doll around and it's like halfway through the movie when i real when i remember she's there yeah. and that she's and that's her thing uh and the movie doesn't set up like it doesn't ever let them talk about why they're there and again like there's reasons for that but it doesn't make sense in what we see uh, that like okay, so what they just sit around and listen to records all day and have like one group therapy session? That's what they do. Yeah, there's no sense of anything like that. I don't feel like a real like a world was ever built. Yeah, yeah, and I mean Amber Heard is not the greatest actress of her generation. She's not no. bad, but she's the kind of actress where I think. Um, I don't think she can hold a project together on her own. She's really pretty. And in this movie, they're all really pretty. And I kept thinking, it's really nice that they let them all put on like mascara and eyeliner when they're crazy. Because they all look really pretty. And it didn't have to be distracting, except that like you're watching Amber Heard, who's gives nothing. And all I'm thinking is like, I feel like the only reason she's here is because she's so darn pretty. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, so it's it's just a really bland movie. And what real one of the things that really did bother me is you're ta- you mentioned the like tightness of the space. Yeah. And so which is fine, you're right. Like they're in a ward and they're in a hospital. So when they're trying to get out of it, there's no reason why I shouldn't know the geography. I don't know any of the geography of that place cuz it makes it up as it goes along. Yep. There's no sense of place in that movie. It 
it really and and that's what makes a movie a small tight like minimal cast movie succeed is when there's good use of the space good geography you Mm -hmm. always know where everyone is you each character is 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 different and unique and defined and like this is what makes movies like that so exciting because when when you watch somebody do it well it's it's really it's really thrilling and and i mean the conjuring for me the biggest success of that movie is the art direction and how yeah. I knew every inch of that house. Yeah. And when I heard, when, you know, the camera's on one place and you hear, you hear a sound, I'm like, oh my God, that's coming from the youngest daughter's bedroom. Like the movie yeah. set that up in a way. And this movie has no ambition to give you anything. So yeah. you're in a room and then you're in another room and then they're trying to escape. So you're like, oh, now we're in the morgue. Oh, now we're in storage, I guess. And it, it, like that's a case where I expect that from a young filmmaker. Mm-hmm. I don't expect that from John Carpenter. And I also would complain about that from a young filmmaker. A movie like this, I, regardless of who directed it, I would complain about not having a good sense of the geography. But yeah. when it's John Carpenter, it's like there's no excuse for that. It's re- and it's it's a real shame. And this time I watched it, kind of like. This is just a movie. It doesn't matter who's in it or who right. did it. Now just watch it like a movie. And it still didn't do anything. Yeah. Um, I will say there's one jump scare that kind of got me, surprisingly. Like, was not... the, is it the one that got me in the shower? No. It was um, in the in the morgue, actually. Nice, and like yeah. I knew like something was coming. It's kind of when she opens a door. And I was like, well, something's going to be in there. But for whatever reason, it got me. So... The jump scares are better than uh, the shower. I think I remember the shower one. I think I remember being like, oh, it's all right. That one got me the first time I watched it. And I even turned and, and looked at Zach and said, oh, there's a real, this jump scare that got me real good in this one. And then I screamed at the top of my lungs. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was coming. Yeah. That's not the one at the very end, right? No, the one at the very end, I did jump. The to, one though. at the very end pissed me the fuck off. Because I yeah, feel it's like terrible. it's thrown. And I'm still not spoiling, but... It is thrown in in a really mean way just because it feels like it has to end on a jump scare. And yep. in the, in, but in its place, it just kind of makes me like, oh, so, oh, oh. Uh. It doesn't serve the story at all. No, and, and it hurts the overall effect of it, I think. Yep. Yeah. Uh, do you want to go into spoiling? Because, I mean, I don't have much more to say about it I until have- we can talk about the reveal okay i mean we can't spoil it like right well that's the thing is this is this i knew some things about it going in so spoiler alert spoiler alert spoiler alert i knew that amber heard was crazy i remember hearing that from everyone yeah i think i thought i'm like oh maybe the girls aren't real but i wasn't sure um and as i watched it i kind of like it was one of those things where i kind of gave up on like eh, if they're not real it's just kind of stupid oh they're not real so it is kind of stupid Yep. It's not smart, quick, or clever enough no. to pull the trick it pulls. Yeah. Which is, I, we're spoiling it, right? Yes. Every one of the girls is part of another girl's personality, who is also the ghost, but not the ghost, but the first girl that gets killed, but the ghost, but also all the other girls are the same girl, but not. <laughs> yeah, that's about right, right? So, yeah, well, yeah. So, yeah, so the the main girl actually isn't Amber Heard. Amber Heard is not, which is interesting because 
Now, that could have been good. Well, even that, the whole, like, Amber Heard is introduced as, like, my name is Kristen, but we don't know anything else about her, and we don't know if she knows anything else about herself. She knows her name, or she gives a name, but then when it's like, why'd you burn that house down? I don't know. And that's it. And, like, we never see her struggling to remember anything. It would have been cool. Here's the thing. It's like none of these characters are real people and they're not real characters, so no one tried, which is is really unfortunate because it's a really cool idea. It's like very sucker punch-esque oh because this right. this story was never Amber Heard's to begin with. Oh like God, this you're right. I forgot about that aspect of sucker punch. <laughs> this is another character's story which could have been cool which, because yeah. because it's not like and and we're the whole time we could have been like, oh, Amber Heard, get out of there, be careful, oh no! But she's actually kind of like not the good guy; she's the bad guy, right? Because all these personalities are keeping our actual main character from getting better. So it could have been cool, and I think that's why I'm never sure if I like this movie or not. Because the more I talk about it, the more I convince myself how good it could have been, and I start to be a little fond of it. But it's not good, right? It's not. Well, it's, you know, what's funny, too, is thinking about it, and maybe it was just that one aspect of the story of what if Lindsay Fonseca's character was gay. Yeah. But to me, I feel like this could have been made into a much more interesting movie without that twist. If this was just about chicks in an insane asylum and there's a ghost out to get them. Oh, yeah. I, I would have preferred that movie. I think that movie... Could it like because when it was super literal? Yeah, when I think of all the problems with this movie or the things that don't work about it, and like we're saying that it flirts with the idea that one character might be gay. It flirts with this idea that uh, Danielle Panabaker is supposed to be a nymphomaniac or something, and that Mamie Gummer is really insane. But because it doesn't know how those personalities interact, it just leaves all these actresses just hanging there trying to do a thing that isn't yep. meshing with other things. Which, again, when you're done with the movie, you're like, okay, I guess that makes sense because, you know, that. But it doesn't make it entertaining or interesting or challenging. If it was just the, these are your girls and somebody's hunting them and Amber Heard's going tr- to be your final girl – it just would have been a funner movie to watch, I think. No, I agree. It didn't it didn't do anything. Yeah. Really. And I think of like a movie I talked about recently that I won't rename because again, y'all will watch it eventually and it has a big twist. And it's a case where I'm like, you know, without that twist, that movie still would have been fascinating. Mm-hmm. And the twist, my you know, my jaw dropped at the twist, but it also was then I'm like, how did I not see that? Blah, blah, blah. Whereas in this case, it's like, oh, yeah, I could see that. But okay. then you don't really even feel like, at least for me, it's kind of like, I don't care enough to try to figure this twist out. And it's also like, it's such a case of being told and not shown, right? Because they're like, oh, okay, so Alice, by the way, was this girl that used to be here. But actually, she's you. Um, because she was kidnapped and raped for two months, chained up in a house. Um, and then like, you're her personality and you're her person. And then these girls were mean to her, but then, so it's like, but they tell you this, they don't show you this. And mm-hmm. so you're, um, I'm trying to remember that. I feel like there was another movie we watched recently where it was like, when you realize how much there is between you and the narrative 
and like your your characters you're supposed to care about, how many mm-hmm. roadblocks and subplots that aren't on screen but that you're supposed to know about are there. It's ridiculous. Like how why should I care about this again? And I mean it's always challenging when you're dealing with, you know, split personalities and somebody not there and all that. But you can, you know, we've seen it done well, even with reveals. Um, and I, I can't say any titles because I feel like I'm always spoiling it if I say them. But uh, Sixth Sense is not a great example because I know some people do have a problem with it. But that's a case where, like, I think knowing the twist, I think the movie still works because there's other stuff going on. Um, whereas with this, it's like, oh, okay, that explains why stuff didn't make that much sense, I guess. Mm-hmm. And why they didn't push things further. Because I feel like their main push was, oh, we have this crazy reveal at the end. And I think that's what the movie... The movie's resting on their twist. And Yeah, and, and you can't... You have to do some work. Yeah. And it just it's really giving you mediocre character interactions. I don't want to say performances, because I think... I mean, I think aside from Amber Heard, I think the other girls are doing what they're supposed to be doing. It's just that they don't have the direction to, to for it to be used in the right way. And so it kind of feels like they're like, yeah, it's okay, because, well, you know, the end is going to redeem the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's really hard for an ending to redeem a movie. It really is. If you don't, how, I don't, that's such faulty thinking. Yeah. Like, if you don't build a strong base, how are you supposed to pile good stuff on top mm-hmm. of it? Yeah. I could think of many endings that save a movie. Mm-hmm. But not endings that basically make the movie. Yeah. And I think that's where the difference is. And this one, um, it's it, it's not a good enough twist to justify all the mediocrity that comes before it from somebody mm-hmm. that should do better. And again, if it wasn't John Harpenter, I think I would feel the exact same way, but just with a little bit less disappointment. <laughs> So I'm sorry that I did that to you. No, no. I mean, eventually I would have watched this movie because I just would have felt like I should. Um, yeah. And it's, again, it's, dude, you know the shit I watch on Instant Watch. It's better than a lot of that stuff. Uh, yeah. It's, it's true. You know, it's, it's just a mediocre film. Which in itself is interesting in a different way, I guess. Uh, yeah. It exists. It it's, exists. It's a movie. Yeah. Um, I hope Lindsay Fonseca gets a lot of work because I really like watching her. But yeah, Amber Heard doesn't need to work. She can just go like live on Johnny Depp's private island now and be happy. I guess so. I mean, I don't know. I, I this movie. I hate this movie and love it because of what <laughs> it could have been. But I think I mostly hate it because it's boring. It's it's pretty boring. Um, and undeveloped. Yeah. It Again, this is another movie that I watched in like two or three commutes. And I think that really helped it in a way <laughs> because it didn't feel like it was dragging because it was like, okay, well, something's going to happen in the next half hour when I get back on the bus. It doesn't. But maybe something will happen on that next half hour. You know, the dance break is cute. I like when they all dance. Yeah, that is cute. There should have been more stuff like that. Yeah, and at that point, I'm like, okay, this is going to be fun. Like, I think, like, he's going to have them interact and stuff. But no, yeah. it doesn't. It just, 
you know, I, I obviously don't know what the energy was like on set, but I get the feeling that like nobody hung out or like, you know, did much or talked about their characters. Like it was probably like, oh, we have a scene now. Okay. That's yeah. what it feels like. That That's what the, you know, maybe the, all the girls had slumber parties and pillow fights. I don't know, but it doesn't come across on screen. So yeah. Uh, that's yeah. just about everything I got on it. Um, I did like, this is another case of like a movie that had, I think, four different film studio logos at the beginning. Uh, and I had the um, subtitles on. And I always like when um, music is given fun descriptions. And when the movie started, uh, the subtitle was stately cello music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I'm like, oh Fancy. yeah, I love the cello. And then I got this movie, so, you know. But anyway, quality of film. 4.5. I was going to go, like, 5.5. Yeah. Yeah. Again, a little, I, little I, better But it's than, slightly lower than average, yeah. Yeah, and to me, like, my average, I'm ranking this on other straight-to-Netflix to horror movies. That's a little better than a lot of them, so. Enjoyment of life and stuff... For me, that's a 4.75. Five. Okay. Yeah. I'm so not sure about this one. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever go back to it. I, the only thing I would do is I would I would be curious to hear the commentary on it. To, mm-hmm. to see if, if there was what really where Carpenter was at when he made it. Uh and may, I mean, maybe he just wanted to make a movie, and that's all. And hey, okay, it's fine. yeah, sure, why not? I don't want to discourage him from making another one. Like, it, it's not like anything he's going to do is going to tarnish a legacy. Um, I just, you know, just there's just not much there, I guess. So that was the ward. Uh, it is on that Instant was Watch. The ward. The ward. Uh, if you are so inclined, it's there. Uh, so now on to our other instant watch picks. Is yours going to be the ward again? Yeah, I'm going to pick I it over and over again until we both die. Until we both um, split into different personalities that don't pick the ward. But then your <laughs> ghost personality comes back and kills the one that didn't pick the ward, and then you re- reign supreme. That's how that's going to work from now on. Uh, what do you have? Netflix Instant or Amazon? I, I hope I hope we didn't pick the same thing. I don't. I'm pretty sure we didn't because mine I. I doubt we did. Go for it. Okay, I picked Hush. Which is oh no! I, no, no. It's funny. Is um, have I, you not watched? I haven't watched it yet. No, but I, I'm excited to. I've seen. I've heard people talk about it. I heard an interview. There's a. If anybody listens to the B Movies podcast, they interviewed him and his wife, who's the also the star and co-writer. Yeah. And they talk about the movie, and it made me like Mike Flanagan even more. And he makes a step up two joke, so now I'm like, Ooh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I wasn't already thing. like fully on board with this guy, he just won me over more. So you watched Hush? I did. Good time. I loved it. Yeah. It's, I'm excited. Uh, it's not my favorite, Mike okay. Flanagan, mm-hmm. obviously. Oculus is. Yeah. But um, it's really good. Nice. Yeah, I'm thinking, I thought maybe last weekend, because I know it's really short again, so it's like I could start it at eight and be done. But it's one that I really want to watch with Brandon and like with like lights off, let's just watch scary movie kind of thing. Right? It's that kind of movie, right? Would you agree? Um. Yeah, I would agree to that. Okay. Um. It's not scary. It's yeah, it's unnerving and it's mm-hmm. tense. 
Um, it's good. It's really, really good. Um, and I, I'm excited for you to watch it, and I want to talk to you about it. Um, it's such a him movie. Okay. It's so good. Oh, okay. Awesome. I really liked it. I'm excited. I'm. I had I had high hopes, but yeah, I still didn't feel left down. Okay. So. Good. Good. I mean that that is a filmmaker that I will watch everything he does because I'm yep. excited by him. Um, even what's funny is the interview I listened to. He talks about Ouija too. Oh, neat. And well, what's, and what's great about it is that he kind of, like, for, he says, he's like, you don't have to see the other Ouija, for one thing, which is good to know. Good. It's so bad. Yeah. But what's really great is he, the way he says it is, like, he was approached to do it, and he was like, oh, I don't really think I want to. And so he gave, like, a treatment or gave, like, what he would do with it, thinking they're never going to go for it because it's not, in his words on this interview, he basically said his original pitch was it's not about young CW stars like it's about like adults or something and that in itself I'm like yes he gets it he really gets it and apparently the studio was like yeah no, that's cool so I I don't know if that's what's going to end up on screen but it seems like his Ouija 2 is going to be something is going to be a Mike Flanagan film um, so that's exciting and I'm glad you picked that because it actually kind of segues nicely into the movie I picked which is another director who I'll watch everything he does. And I will say I may have used this as a Netflix recommend in the past, like years ago. Um, but I recently rewatched it with Brannon, who had never seen mm-hmm. it. And I have, you know, my list of movies that he hasn't seen that I want to make sure he sees. And this is one that, like, I was really, I'm like, you know, I really hope it holds up because I only watched it once. And I use this movie as an example of hey, young filmmakers, here's what you can do. Like, here are all the decisions. Here are good decisions made in a low-budget horror movie. And my recommend is Jim Mickle's Stakeland. Yeah, you might have you might have um, recommended it before. Yeah. I really need to rewatch it, to be honest. Were you not a big fan of it? I wasn't crazy about it. Okay. But I cannot tell you why. Mm, okay. So See, I think it might be time for me to look at it. Give again. it another go. Um... What it does right, uh, it is a movie that, first of all, it knows how to make use of a low budget. You never feel like that's a low budget movie. Um, mm-hmm. It gives you, it's giving you an old story. It is zombies, zombie vampires, but there's twists to that. There's different types of them. They talk about different kind of stages they go through. So there's, you know, you don't, you know the monster, but it's a little bit of a twist to it. Um but what it really does right is it understands that, like I said about Mike Flanagan, your movie doesn't have to be about pretty young people to attract a horror audience. And you can make a movie where your cast includes a 50-year-old woman and a 40, 50-year-old dude and a kid and a pregnant girl and a soldier. And you can instantly make your movie a thousand times more interesting by looking at your cast and saying, what, where, where's my room? What can I do with, you know, I know I need a woman. I know I need um, a, a young male character. I know I need this. Where, what can I do to make them make this more interesting and make these dynamics more interesting? And in all of their films, it's uh, Nick Dimici, I guess, is the co-writer and probably like producer too. Uh, all of their films have done that. Mulberry Street does it, where it's just very specific, where you see oh, here's a young, in like Mulberry Street, here's a young person, but oh, she's a returning female soldier. Like, that's, 
that's something I haven't really seen. Like, it just seems like mm-hmm. he, they're so committed to character and to giving you more from your characters than most of these movies would. And the other thing they do so well is there's a humanity to Stakeland where death is handled real death is a big thing and life is a big thing and when characters die they're not made light of and um like there's one great scene where you meet this older woman i don't even think she has any lines but like there's just like a really sweet scene with her and then when she dies spoiler alert not a big thing minor 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 character there's just like a line said about her that just instantly makes this woman something special and gives that death more weight in a movie where the world is ending and all these people are dying. And it just, it always gets me. And I was so glad to rewatch it and feel that again and see Brandon see it and just like have that like um, confirmation that like he's just, th- this guy does it right. Uh, and I'm just excited by everything he does. And I would, yeah, heartily endorse anybody to go give Stakeland a try if you have not seen it. So, yeah. Now, have you given any thoughts, my dear, to our next episode? I have not. Okay. Do you have, like, any mood you're in? I know there's a movie that, well, there's a lot. I mean, our listeners are always uh, giving some suggestions. Uh, you want to wait, and we'll get back to see if we're going to take one of those ones. Yeah, let's let's reevaluate because I literally have no idea, and it would just be you picking it. Okay, so we won't hastily <laughs> jump into Pretty Women in the Ward again. Look, I need some. T- this was actually not that bad. No, I'm. Hey, I I I enjoyed this episode. I hope you did too, listeners. I loved it. Hey. I mean, I'm not a listener, but so well, you know, do you download at least? Actually, you don't have to. I don't... I, like, if anybody were to ask me how many downloads we get, I would really have no answer whatsoever. Seven. Well, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I don't look at any of our graphics or anything. Uh, we just do it because we love it, you know? We love That's it, guys. We love it. It's, like, it's... at least at least three of you people listen because you come with, at me with pointed comments. <laughs> <laughs> I like pointy listeners. They're my favorites. Yeah. But yeah, uh, we do uh, definitely invite uh, our listeners to both. There is still a thread of recommendations, and I do go back there all the time. Um, the, the last, there was a couple of episodes lately that I've gone in there and taken pics from. So we do listen. So if you have suggestions of movies you want us to cover, please go to our Facebook page, Feminine Critique, and add them to there. Uh, and share your thoughts on these movies, because I'm very curious to hear, especially with Pretty Woman, um, what people have to say yeah yeah all right uh with that being said uh i I got nothing else you got anything else nope all right then good night night just can't sleep I'm so excited I'm in too deep crazy but it feels alright baby thinking of you keeps me up all night you know ladies and gentlemen Britney Spears is such a remarkable recording artist she's not just a singer 
She's a writer. She's an arranger. She composes her own music. She produces her own albums. She directs. She choreographs. She's what we in the industry call an artiste. So versatile. So multi-talented. So, so. God, I wanna fuck her. You drive me crazy. I just can't sleep. Me and Brittany. Justin Timberlake pussy is out of the picture. Me and Brittany stand up. Oh, no. And I really do want to fuck her. That's what's crazy. <laughs>